Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I told my Cuban mother, who was very proud of her Cuban daughter who just got a fellowship for a PhD to become a, like a doctor and something that I was going to quit. She was not happy. She was like, you're not going to be a doctor. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the women in tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the women in tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Women in Tech. I'm your guest host, Ira Herman, in today for Esprit Devora, and we have an amazing guest in studio uh, joining us here in sunny Santa Monica, California. Everyone, please welcome Alessandra. <laughs> so, uh, Alessandra, please uh, go ahead and intro yourself. Tell us your name, uh, your company, and what you guys do. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. Uh, my name is Alessandra Guerra, and I am a co-founder and director of strategic planning at Nori. Uh, Nori is a new startup. Um, I'm really excited about it. We are trying to reverse climate change, and we're going to do that by creating the first ever open voluntary marketplace to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So that's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, and, and I'm really excited about what Nori's doing, what you guys are doing, because you actually have uh, technology that will remove carbon and help reverse climate change. Uh, the technology exists. There's also more development being done on it. And you guys are doing that. And you're working on building this marketplace. And so why a marketplace uh, for this? How does how does that work? That's a really, really good question. Um, a marketplace is really important because a marketplace just means that the solution can scale to the problem. The problem is climate change. Climate change is a global problem, right? right? So we need the solution to scale globally. Not just one company removing carbon dioxide is enough. Or um, not just like the state of California. Or just, yeah, exactly. The state of California doing cap and trade and reducing, which is a whole nother thing, which I'd love to get to in a second, is <laughs> not enough. So we need to remove carbon dioxide at the same scale that we've been emitting it um, and more so in the beginning so that we can actually have a net negative uh, carbon footprint as a species. Very cool. So, uh, so the marketplace allows that to scale globally so that anyone in the world can can buy the cleaning technology or basically offset what they're doing with credits that will clean the, uh, yeah. the carbon dioxide out of the air. Yeah, exactly. So is it just carbon? It's it's so we like to say carbon dioxide because carbon itself is like the formula C, right? That's the element. Um, carbon right. dioxide when it's paired with um, oxygen is what we're trying to remove from the atmosphere. And it's really important that people understand that there are ways to do this. 
right? Um, and what we're trying to do is empower you uh, in a way that you can actually purchase credits and we call them carbon removal credits or, or carbon removal claims. Mm-hmm. We're still figuring out which one we'd like. Um, but the whole idea is that you can measure your impact. Let's say if you take a flight from Seattle to uh, LA, like I did, I know directly how much carbon I emitted for that flight. Um, and so I can say, I want to reverse my impact on this. I want to have like a negative, like I don't want, I want a total net zero impact on my flight. So, I mean, our goal is that we could have businesses partnering with us as well to offer like, hey, why not as part of your checkout on your flight, say, I want to reverse my impact and have zero impact on the environment and then have that airline purchase the credits for you through our marketplace. Very cool. And and the difference it sounds like too, is it's not just that the plane is going to put this carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and then you're going to buy wind power, which in theory will offset it. It's actually, you're going to buy credits that clean carbon dioxide directly out of the air. Totally. I am nodding my head. Um, <laughs> so Ira, you touched on something that's uh, m- maybe a lot of people don't think about or know about. Uh, offsets has this whole connotation in the carbon markets um, that says that if you did less bad t- today than you did yesterday in terms of emitting, you get to, that's called an offset. Um, I don't really believe in that. Like when I have a kid, I'm not going to like reward him for being less spoiled the, than the day before. I'm just going to like reward you for being a good kid. Right. Um, so that's kind of what we're aiming for is rewarding good behavior, not necessarily less bad behavior. Uh, when it comes to emitting. So that's why we don't really call them offsets, like carbon offsets. That's that's something separate. What we're doing is carbon removal. We're removing, we're doing good. We're taking out our credit of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, right? Because in the past, we've already emitted. There's tons of carbon that we've already emitted. How do we get out of it? How do we get it out now? That's right. what we're focused on. Very cool. Yeah. And that that's what's exciting to me is it seems like a direct... Uh, I'm big into technology and innovation, and that seems like the way to go is to innovate to remove it rather than to kind of be indirect about it or to worry about it. There are solutions that can be that already exist and that can be further developed. So absolutely. And so one more thing I just love to say is uh, you mentioned the offsets and uh, wind power. So we can do and I talked about this earlier and now I want to get to that point. Uh, the cap redu- and trade? The, re- no, reductions, right? Okay. So there are things we can do to reduce our impact on the environment. And that's incredibly important. I mean, by all means, still um, care about what you're eating because that has a big impact on the environment. Care about um, what you're driving and how you're using energy, um, what energy sources of energy um, you're getting energy from, like solar or wind. All that is great. But that just means that we slow down climate change. Maybe if we stop it by emitting zero, that would be great. Um, And so really, I'm trying to like hone into this idea that we have to remove it in order to get back to safe levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And then actually maybe instead of seeing a constant increase in global temperatures, maybe we'll see a decrease in uh, global temperatures if we're removing CO2. Let's change it back the other way. Yeah. Turning (laughs) back the clock is what we're trying to do. And that's that's, uh, I think, a really positive outlook on it and and an empowered outlook on it. Uh, I I see a lot of media that kind of says things like, oh, we're we're past the point of no return or we're getting close to the point of no return. There's a lot of like doom and gloom kind of stuff. So I like that perspective much better. Like, hey, we can actually change this. Let's do it. Yeah, (laughs) thanks. I I totally agree. I think um, 
well, what I try to sell is hope that there is hope. And a lot of people feel powerless to do anything about climate change. Like why even try? Cause I'm one person. What is my, what is my impact going to be? Um, I think Nori is going to, you'll see in a couple of years, it's going to really just empower so many people and totally change the game in terms of how people are going to be able to engage and reverse their impact for not just that day, but for the years in the past. Awesome. And and you mentioned a little bit about your your background, your education degree. Um, what do you do in the company? What's your what's your role in Nori? Um, that's a really good question. It's uh, amorphous right now or so. <laughs> so we say uh, I'm focusing on business development right now. I'm, we're hosting a summit uh, where we're trying to it's invite only. And we're trying to just make sure that the people who are going to participate in this marketplace is, are there. We're totally transparent. So what I love about Nori, other than my team and our mission, is that transparency is at the heart of what we're doing. So we want to be very open with what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going to do that. And so the summit that uh, we're putting together is really focused on making sure that the people who are going to buy the credits, like let's say um, airlines or Jet, like JetBlue, for example, or um, any individual, right, who wants to offset their credits and has the power to do so, mm-hmm. um, is there in the room. When yeah, you, we, guys, you guys had JetBlue on your podcast. We did. We well, had right? JetBlue on our podcast. Thanks for the little plug. So it's called the Reversing Climate Change Podcast. Uh, check it out. That was, I think, episode four. Okay, cool. Yeah, Reversing Climate Change, definitely a, a great podcast, really interesting and uh, gets more in depth on on all these topics and all kind of the, the industry terms for... Uh, I, I can't even think think of yeah. them off the top of my head, but there's there's some kind of comp- terms that sound complex that get broken down in the podcast, and then really interesting uh, guests that are on and think you know insight as to what you know JetBlue's perspective is on all this stuff and and how they're working towards it, uh, and then what you guys are doing and kind of the the evolution of that and details on the marketplace and all that. So yeah, yeah, Reversing I mean, even- climate change. Uh, is there a website for that? podcast um yeah nori.com n-o-r-i.com um and then on the top right there's a link that says podcast and you can um subscribe on google play itunes or even listen through just a browser so i think to the marketplace point it's really great to listen to it and understand that there's just a slew of technologies to remove carbon dioxide like embedded carbons in buildings um soil uh but also a like variety of people who would be interested in buying this and it's fun it's like a Good little podcast. Great. And yeah, and you are a co-founder uh, of Nori then. And so that's why your role is kind of amorphous is yeah. co-founders and, and on, you know, in startups in general, everyone kind of does everything and, and uh, you know, pushes the boundaries of, of specific roles in a company. So um, how does that work? How long have you been involved? And, and uh, tell us a, a little bit about that. Do you want me to tell you my Norigen story? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of our yes, words. Our Nori origin story, Norigen story. Um, so take it back, Ira, to like over a decade ago, actually. I was 17 and I was obsessed with the Science Channel. Such a freaking nerd. But I was a cool nerd. At least that's what I like to think. Uh, so I watched this series. I like to think I was a cool nerd. Yeah, too. right. We're all cool. We're <laughs> like those. <laughs> you are definitely cool. <laughs> no, thanks. You too. Um, so I, there was this like mini series, you know, they'll focus on one thing and it was called Ecotech. And 
each episode was about 45 minutes and they would talk, focus on different aspects like um, clean water or air pollution. Um, and so the air pollution one, I think was like the fifth one that came out. And I was really into this series. I was like recording them on our TiVo at the time. <laughs> and one technology that came out that I saw was from Columbia University through Klaus Lackner's lab. So Klaus Lackner um, was talking about these artificial trees, just these devices that would react with the CO2 in the air and then you could, it would essentially absorb CO2 and then you can scrub them, right? And then, regr- and then update them and put them back out. And they would remove as much CO2 as, you know, up to 100 trees. And my mind was just like, wow. Right, like and, mind and that, blown. And that was like ten or so years ago. I was seventeen. Well. I was a junior in high school, and I'm 28 now. You know, so eleven years ago. And I remember I seeing, only heard about those recently. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that and thinking, yes, like hundred percent. I was all into the idea that like climate change was real. And we had to do something about it, and it was urgent. And no one really seemed to be matching my like level of urgency. My family was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but now it's really nice to see that there's this social awareness of this problem, this very real right. problem. Um, and I think that's why, like, Norwich's Marketplace is, is going to be great because people are going to engage in it. Um, but anyways, back to the Norwegian story. Fast forward a couple years. I, I remember when I saw him on TV, I thought it would be so great to meet him and talk to him. Maybe if, like, maybe I'll apply to Columbia and study and figure that out some more. So Fast forward, I actually did get into Columbia. I went to engineering school. Klaus was um, the chair of the environmental engineering department at the time. I studied with him for a couple years. He mentored me. Uh, and then I, you know, went off to grad school and here at uh, UC in Irvine. And then if you front forward like now, uh, he had connected me to Christoph, one of our co-founders, a couple years back when I was still working here in California and then Christoph and I had just kept talking back and forth about, you know, we're very entrepreneurial, really wanted to do um, something in carbon removal because we knew that that was the answer for climate change. And there was nothing else, right? Nothing else was going to help us reverse what we've, the impact we've had. Right. And then we were Facebook messaging this summer and he just told me, oh, you know, Christoph did. And I met this awesome guy in Seattle and we're talking about blockchain and creating this marketplace for carbon removal and do you want to do this hackathon with us? And I said, yeah, sure. And I was working at the time. So I did it like part-time. It wasn't, I couldn't be super committed. Uh, and then I kept talking to them for a couple of weeks after the hackathon, even before we found out that we had won the energy and environment. It was the consensus hackathon for social impact. Um, and, oh, cool. And yeah, we, con- consensus is one of the bigger blockchain conferences. Yeah, right? and it was great. And so we flew out to, before, even before that, I flew out to Seattle to meet these guys. Because I'm like, what? I was very picky. I had done a, I had met you actually through some meetups because I was just trying to find people who were entrepreneurial and um, wanted to like build sustainability apps. And I couldn't really find a good team. And I was just constantly looking like searching for the right team. Right. Yeah. So when I went up to Seattle to visit Paul and Christoph, I was very skeptical. I was, had, had to like have a good team within the first day. I was like, okay, this is great. I got to meet the rest of the people. We yeah. all flew out to New York for the consensus um, conference which was spectacular, um, really useful. And I met the rest of the team. I'm like, all right, I'm in. These guys are cool. I think we can work together and they're really smart. So uh, that's my origin story. Oh, and then to close it up, it's really interesting. Klaus Lackner from this random dude on the TV that I saw when I was 17 in my bedroom is now our advisor on Nori. So 
Whoa, that's the Klaus that he, yeah. he's an advisor and he was the one you saw on the Science Channel? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's that's full circle. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So back then you kind of set an intention and then ended up working with him. Yeah. My mom says <laughs> you have this really crazy like power to visualize and just like manifest things. I'm like, I don't know about that. I'm just really determined. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And and you mentioned I, I've known you for a few years uh, you used to live around here uh, in in Long Beach, LBC. LBC <laughs> representing. Yeah, I love Long Beach. I'm staying there now. It's great. And uh, and and so anyway, um, you you just moved up to Seattle recently. But I remember there was uh, you have this ability where I, I wasn't sure exactly what your background is because I remember uh, we were at a meetup for mobile development. And you had taught yourself this whole programming language and framework to make just to make a mobile app that you had an idea to make and you picked it up really quickly. So are you are you a developer or what you just kind of take on anything like that? No, no, <laughs> um, I'm totally a jack of all trades, master of none person. <laughs> like I've dabbled in so many things. I'm not afraid of learning something new. So. I'll just do it, but I'm never like fully committed to, I'm always just, I want to know enough how to make it work, like the larger picture, but Ionic, that's what we were right. developing in. And I'm yeah, totally another plug framework. for Ionic team. <laughs> I think they're doing such a great job. Ionic is this awesome way of just writing one set of code to deploy like a native app to iOS or Android devices because developers usually have to develop code for either only I, Apple or either only Android um, and I loved this idea that I could be really lazy <laughs> and just write one smart, right? or smart and efficient <laughs> and effective. Exactly. Um, and so I was working on that uh, and that was fun. Yeah. And then actually when I was I was working at Southern California Edison, SCE, here on advanced technology projects. And then I picked up data science there and was doing a ton of programming um, in Python there. So but I'm not a oh, pro wow. I don't I'm not a developer or programmer. Um but I have an understanding and appreciation for the complexities of it and like the, the architecture of it and that it's not as straightforward as some people might think it is. You've won more than one hackathon and had these opportunities. Even if you had the opportunity, if it wasn't the idea wasn't the right fit for you or the team wasn't the right fit for you, you, you opted out. So that's, I think, a very powerful thing to do. Uh, so maybe tell tell us a little bit more about that, like what your guidelines are in order to uh, be in the right type of uh, team and environment. Like, what are you looking for? Uh, so I think that's a thanks. Uh, it's a really personal question. Um, for me, I knew that maybe from the age of 15 that climate change was a problem. And that has been my focus. I mean, I studied it in school. Um environmental engineering i focused on like en uh, renewable energy and energy efficiency and i got into combustion and like how does that affect our environment um i couldn't really figure out i've been stumbling okay you made it sound like i'm really impressive <laughs> let me tell you i've been stumbling for years like through you're, the you're woods modest. <laughs> no 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 through the woods trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing with my life um, like working at the utility super slow and now i'm like working at a startup where like everything is just so fast it's been three months and it's it doesn't even feel like three months. It's kind of crazy. But to answer your question, does it drive me? Like, does it meet my mission? I'm a huge Stephen Covey fan. 
Oh yeah, seven I'm, I'm, habits, uh, highly I'm, effective people. Yes, seven I, habits. I, I use the habits like pretty much every day. I like pick them out in life and. I have it in my purse because it's my it's my travel book. So it's one of those things I like to calibrate to. So when I get on a plane, I always pull out my seven habits. Um, but he tells you in the book to write a mission statement. What are the things that you want with your life? And yeah. I did that. And you have to update it. I, I haven't done that. I should update it. Um, but my mission statement is to, you know, besides all the personal stuff, like have a wonderful family, which I do. And like you know, feel fulfilled. It's, I want to impact, I want to help make our society more sustainable. Um, and I want that to be my core mission and do it in a way that excites me, that keeps me occupied and challenged and in various environments. Um, so entrepreneurship, that's where it came from, right? It's like the idea that I need to constantly be stimulated in different ways. So entrepreneurship and then sustainability. Um, and then I guess to the family values, it's like community. I always want to be with people who um, share the same values and not necessarily the same perspectives because me and my team do not agree <laughs> all the time. So it's not a perfect world where everyone thinks the same. Well, we don't, we say it, we don't believe Maybe in group think. that's not perfection. No, it's not, right? <laughs> there's there's perfection in the chaos. So um, group think is not a thing that we like to have. Um, and it's good because we all have different ideas and perspectives and it keeps us honest um, and making sure that we are asking the right questions and doing the right things with our time. Cool. So uh, how did you get into tech in the first place? Let's go way back. Not just your origin story, but your, your uh, actual origin story. Origin story. <laughs> origin in general. Why, why did you get into tech? And It's a good question. I was at UCI, University of California in Irvine, and I was doing what I thought I really wanted to do was get a Ph.D., um, cause I loved, I loved working in lab when I was at Columbia, I was at the combustion and catalysis lab with an awesome professor, Mark Castaldi, who was just a blast to work with and like awesome group of people, again, community people like drives my life. Um, they were so cool to work with and I loved doing research that I thought, okay, I'm doing this. Like I want to be an academic and I want to like build more like gasification reactors and study and do data analysis. And this is like the dream. So then I graduated and I went traveling. I backpacked for three months through Central America, um, unplanned. I was supposed to just be in Costa Rica, but then I was like, screw this. I don't like where I'm at. And I just like packed up my suitcase. I got completely destroyed by the end of the trip and like took chicken buses up through to Mexico. And then I went to Cuba. But What's a chicken bus? A chicken bus. <laughs> that's just like a old, <laughs> it's just like a, a, a general term, but it was um, old school buses that they would like put um they would transport people on so it was public transportation from this old school bus and they would put like farmers could take it to get across countries and they put like you know the chickens or the fruits on top of the bus so they would throw your luggage on top of the bus um but anyways i had all this time off and then i went back to school jeez that was <laughs> <laughs> that was tough to go back to school after traveling and seeing the world and feeling really great about it um, and then being stuck in a lab. And I felt like I had never felt before a sense of urgency for the solutions that I was trying to study. So when I started my fellowship at UCI in my degree, I thought, well, I have to let me see if I can do this master's track because maybe I can just finish with the master's um, and see what I can do in terms of like today. 
Um, and I wasn't really sure. So I had taken a class. It was an elective. It was called Entrepreneurship for Scientists and Engineers. Like a, apparently sci- scientists and engineers awesome. need to like <laughs> yeah. figure out entrepreneurship. I, we don't know how to figure it out on ourselves. It's a specialized <laughs> skill for that group of people. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was just trying to get on like science. Like it was well intentioned to get the engineering students interested in how to make businesses out of the technologies we were developing in labs. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's, yeah, it, I love it when titles are like that. Yeah. Uh, like for, <laughs> like uh, Fred Armisen just d- did a stand-up called like Stand Up for Drummers or something like that. And, like, <laughs> it's, it's still comedy, but it's like, it's funny when you target one specific audience yeah. with something general. So yeah, yeah entrepreneurship for scientists just and engineers. engineers. <laughs> yeah. So I took that um, and it was available to like gra- undergrads and grad students and the professor was like you should like everybody should put together a proposal for this project it was part of the project the requirements but you should also submit it for this three four month um competition and it was a it wasn't technically a business plan competition but it was because you had to have a business plan as part of this um like what you submitted to it and there were um cutoffs so we made it through each cutoff and it was fun it was exciting and i was leading this team and setting goals and kind of doing project management i'm like this is cool like i'm into this this is not lab. This is not lab. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a whole new way, but it, it felt like I was finally, I finally found the thing that I should be doing. And oh, so cool. um, it kind of was like, you know, the clouds parted and I was like, Eureka moment. And then I told, oh my God, I told my Cuban mother, who was mm-hmm. very proud of her Cuban daughter, <laughs> who just got a fellowship for a PhD to become a, like a doctor and something, that I was going to quit. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. She was not happy. She was like, you're not going to be a doctor. I was like, mom, I was never going to be a doctor. She's like, no, but you would have had doctor in your title. So it mattered. Um, and yeah, I, I, had, I had no idea. It's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. So she was really Crazy. upset about it. And I kept telling her, I'm like, there's something about this entrepreneurship. I get these inklings about things. And I'm like, there's something about it. I'm not sure what it is, but there, I got to like pursue it. And uh, five years later, like here I am, Nori, and I'm really excited about it. But yeah, it was that course. And then I actually, that team that I mentioned it earlier, we won third. Um, one of our mentors wanted to invest and he's great. Uh, but it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the right idea. It didn't feel right, like the right time. It didn't feel like the right team. They're all great people. We just didn't um, have the same kind of, we didn't work on the same frequency. So it was a little tough for me because we had continued to work on the, app for another five months after um and i was really tied to it It was really really i had to i had to break up with my team i cried Uh, i cried it was it was hard to break up with them um but i don't know but you did it i did it anyway i just had to i had to to, like cut my losses yeah (laughs) well you just gotta cut your losses you realize that something that's not right for you is just not right and that's it so that's my that's how i kind of got into tech is that competition. And then while I was working at SCE, which was a good thing for me on paper, um, I just felt like it wasn't right. So I kept trying entrepreneurship and I was going to meetups and that's when I met you. I was like (laughs) trying to learn Ionic and like build this app for, I don't know, some other app idea I had. Uh, it It was like recycling related. It was definitely not recycling related. No. <laughs> I would not do that. <laughs> recycling is overplayed, guys. <laughs> well, not not like recycle, but like I. It was, uh, it, was like it was like thrifted. It was it was a thrift store. Like, like not 
not taking stuff and breaking it down, but re reusing and someone else buy, buying it or yes. something like that. Yeah, you're close. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I consider that. Re- <laughs> <recycling>. <laughs> I'm re- try to save this. <laughs> I was thinking about recycling, like the city problem that we have with our trash and um, separating it. And there's a lot of smart people already done a bunch of stuff in that, not trying to reinvent the wheel. Cool. But yeah, but taking things that are totally good that uh, people don't want anymore. And then it, it seems like, yeah, right in line with, with what your mission is. And that's, that's impacting the environment. Yeah. In a positive way. In a positive uh, way. Yes. Thank yeah, you. That's that's that is super important. Um, helping. No, it's really, I think, helping society get to a more sustainable way of life. I think that I love my cell phone. I love that I'm able to text message and call and answer emails while I'm waiting um, in line somewhere. So it's great. And I want to maintain that lifestyle. I think, um, you know, we talk about this dichotomy between environmental protection um, and uh, the quality of life. We talk about this dichotomy all the time at Nori because a lot of people think that in order to care in order for you to care about the environment you have to care so much that you have no impact at all and i and i think that sometimes it's like well what if you want to like i want to use my kitchen i like to cook um i want to use my kitchen but i'm going to clean up my dishes after you know i'm going to put things away (laughs) and so it's matter of just making sure you're taking care you're you're being responsible for the impact that you have on the environment and i think that nori's gonna really help do that um, because people will be able to take care of their carbon dioxide emissions. Cool. So, so we don't have to drive uh, horse and buggies. Yeah, no. And, uh, use candle power. This is, no, what we're instead what, of electricity. We're at a great time um, in technology and industry, and I think it's great. So, yeah, Nori's. We're trying really, really hard so that we can continue to maintain these lifestyles with a more conservative aspect. I think we we should never. Um, just kind of be greedy and indulgent on what we take from the environment. But so keep some awareness um, of what that impact is and take, take that awareness and say, okay, well, this is how much I have to take care of and be responsible for what you do. That's it. Clean up after yourself. Clean up after yourself. Yeah. (laughs) You, you mess it up, clean it up. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) We can keep going at this copy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's, that's enough for that. But, um, but I, uh, I'm glad we did this because I, I really had no idea, uh, how many difficult decisions you made in your life. Like (laughs) even the last one you talked about with your mom and, uh, and, and your direction in school, that's uh, a huge deal. Cause that's what, uh, I, I don't know. I, I've played some poker in the past and and people use the term like pot committed. If you've already put enough, you've invested enough into it, then you feel obligated to stay in it. Um, mm. Even if it doesn't feel right or chances are you're not going to win. Um, and it's it, that ability that you have to, uh, to be invested in it and, and to be on that track and then reevaluate and go, you know what? I don't want to do this and then break the news to, to your mom and the people who care about you. That's really hard to do. Thanks. That's yeah. I think she's happy about it now. She, she's, she's, she's uh, seen the light, I think, and come to terms, but thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, how do people get uh, in touch with you or, or follow you on social media? Personally, my Twitter handle is clean energy girl without the I <laughs> and girl. So clean energy girl. Awesome. <laughs> um, 
because someone else had taken it. Um, but yeah, so clean energy girl. And you're a problem solver. No I. So <laughs> and I'm a, a problem solution. solver. So I'm like, I can handle the no I. Um, and then on Nori, you can definitely check out our website. So Nori.com. Nori like the seaweed, N-O-R-I.com. Um, check out our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, really appreciate it. And I think uh, it's, it's very amazing some of the choices that you've made and, and inspirational uh, to everyone in tech who's listening. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I had a blast. All right, great. And to you at home, thanks for listening. Bye. UpGuard, one of my favorite companies in Mountain View, combines asset discovery, security ratings, and vendor questionnaires for the only complete cyber risk solution. Not only do they keep us safe online, they empower women in tech internally. They focus on hiring female engineers to make sure that we rise to the top. So I welcome you to take a look at their job opportunities from Mountain View to New York, New York to Sydney, Australia. They are a company worth exploring. Their mentorship culture is magnetic. Mention the Women in Tech podcast when you apply. Just as they celebrate women in tech, we want to celebrate you too. So make sure to let us know when you've reached out to UpGuard and we'll make sure to feature you on the Women in Tech social channels. We believe in you. UpGuard.com. Visit them for yourself. You'll see exactly what I mean. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.